Great to see you guys. And um, yes, we've got an Eskim problem. I was just sharing with someone I had a vulnerable moment that there are many, many things I cope with. I don't seem to cope well with the electricity problems. So I've had to do a bit of repenting this morning, clear my heart and uh, realizing last night for the second time when we had the problem that there's still sin in my life that needs to be um, dealt with. You can't just swear at Eskim um, staff members, can you? Anyway, let's, uh, let's get going this morning. The overwhelming, never-ending love that God has for us. Um, man, I've realized that I just don't think we know the half. And what I've, what, the title of my message is Two Hearts Beating as One. Okay. Because only when our hearts beat together with God's heart do we understand ministry and mission. An active burning love for a big city is probably one of the biggest challenges a modern Christian can take on. Why? Because our cities are massive, overcrowded, so diverse, Problems are overwhelming. And the question is, what can I as an individual or a small church like us? I mean, if we were a 30,000 member church, maybe we can, you know. So the question is, I actually don't know whether a heartbeat for the city will have any effect whatsoever. And of course, the next question is, how can we get God to show up in a big way? Because can you imagine what would have to take place spiritually for this whole city to come to Christ? Now listen, I grew up with amazing prophecies from different parts of the world about a revival God was going to start in Cape Town that would be so influential to go up Africa. Uh, people in America who never heard of Cape Town uh, got this particular prophecy. So I still believe that's from God. What is going to get you and me to have a strong inner determination to win our city for Christ? You see, I can give you a message, and in your mind, in your head, you can understand, I need to have heart for the city. I believe the answer always lies in the heart. Always the heart. And I've got a, a quote I, I want to, to give you. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. You know that everything about you and me in this church is about the heart. It's not about what we're doing. It's what's going on in our heart. A well-known high jump coach gave this advice to an athlete who was struggling to get over the high jump bar. Okay? There was a certain level they'd gone up and he wasn't getting over. And this is what he said to him. Throw your heart over the bar and your body will follow. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that scripture applies when my heart is totally given to Christ. Do you know that there's, when your heart's in something, you just throw your heart over the bar. Everything else follows. Does that make sense to you guys? <coughs> um, so we've got a, a lovely picture of the guy going over the heart, over the bar. The simple truth is that when my heart, listen to me, beats as one with God's heart, I will naturally line up my will with God's will. Now, Jesus said, your will be done. 
The Word of God says only those that do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom. How do I end up doing God's will in any season of my life? It's a matter of the heart. Um, Desire then bubbles up to do what pleases God. No one has to convince me. I tell you, when my heart is beating with God, nobody has to explain to me. Nobody has to persuade me. Because my heart's beating with God's heart. And so we've got a, a lovely picture that comes up. Two hearts that beat as one. Can I tell you, that's, that's actually the high point of all ministry. Is when we can get every heart in here to beat at one with God's heart. There's absolutely nothing more important to God than for two hearts of his, sorry, than for the hearts of his children to beat at one with his heart. One heartbeat, if I can have the next quote up, one mind, one mission, one destiny. One heartbeat, one mind, one mission, one destiny. And in the ministry, we, we're always doing something and, and trying to persuade and organize. And we, we want everyone to be together. We want the church to be in unity. The Bible talks about that as one of the high points of, of, of actually the fivefold ministries. But you know what? It's all easy when our heart is beating with God's heart. Where the things that break God's heart break our heart. Amen. So in Acts, Luke explains, remember Luke wrote the book of Acts, why God called King David and why he was so successful. And I'm going to read Acts 15, 22. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said. Okay, remember God said this. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You see, once he found a man whose heart beat with his heart, he knew that David would be obedient. Now, you've got to understand, David was very human. He made some terrible mistakes. But you know what? By and large, his heart beat with God's heart. He intuitively knew what God wanted and obeyed. Because I want to ask you, are we intuitively connected to the heart of God? How much time are we spending in, in the Word of God? Are, are, are we being purified by God's Word? Um, are we, do we have that, that absolute intuition that comes from our knowledge and our connection with God? This is the way. This is what God wants. So what I'm going to be doing is narrowing the focus. Because, I mean, goodness gracious, we could be uh, into the next two or three um, load sheddings um, if we spoke about the total heart of God. So we're narrowing down the heart of God for cities. God has an amazing heart for cities, and particularly Cape Town, by the way. So as I've already said, having a genuine heart for a city can be substantially challenging. And one of the reasons is because of overcrowding, overwhelming, and diversity, um, almost every individual, including Christians, has become individualistic. So what we do is we relate to individuals, and we relate to them in terms of our needs. In fact, family is no longer a big thing, certainly cities and nations. So what happens, I can leave my family leave my church, leave my city, and leave my nation in terms of how I perceive my needs to be. 
And so what can happen is God can place you in Cape Town. All your families here. You get a job in Joburg. And without, without thinking twice, you move to Joburg. Because I'm not being critical. I'm explaining to you that. So what happens? We know God has a heart for individuals. So we work with individuals. We preach to individuals. So when we preach, we talk about God's love for you as an individual. But can I tell you something fascinating? Read the Bible from, Bible from cover to cover. It is a story about families. It's a story about cities. It's a story about nations. The Bible says in heaven, every tribe and every nation, not every individual, will stand and worship God. Uh, it's, it's totally amazing how the Bible over and again, talks about God's judgment of nations, God's blessing of nations, cities. There's so much about cities. The city of Jerusalem, the city of Babylon, the city of Nineveh. Because, guys, I'm going to talk about Jonah and Nineveh. Do you know that there's a whole book in the Bible devoted to Nineveh? Our end-time prophecies speak about cities of Babylon, cities of Jerusalem. God never changes. I believe God's perspective on cities his heart for cities is the same today as it was back then. Listen to me. God has a perspective about Cape Town. God has a plan for Cape Town. God has a purpose for Cape Town. And God has a judgment on Cape Town. And, and I believe that, that in terms of, of cities, you have a metro city. And you need to know that our smaller cities that are in the big city, like Tableview, Bloberg, and Mullerton, are as big as those whole cities were in those days. So I believe God wants us to have a heart for the militant city and have a heart for Cape Town. Are you guys all with me? So I need to obviously explain myself. So we're going to discover God's heartbeat by examining the story of Nineveh in the book of Jonah. This is a very complicated story because God said to, uh, to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And, 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 and you know what Jonah said? I won't. So a long story short, he ends up in a stinky belly of a whale and then reluctantly says, I will. And you know what happened afterwards? One of the most spectacularly successful evangelistic outreaches in the history of mankind. That whole city repented and turned to God. And Jesus spoke about it. He basically says every one of those people didn't go back. They're all in heaven, and that on judgment day, they will judge the villages and cities in Palestine who rejected Jesus. What an evangelistic crusade. Whole city saved. Everyone goes to heaven. Listen, that's every pastor's dream. That happened in Cape Town. I can die and go to heaven. And I know that I have seen the hand of God. So the story was very simple. God called a Jonah. He got a huge fright. He was angry. He bolted, catches a ship to Tarshish, probably leaving his family behind, by the way. Um, and uh, God gets hold of him. There's this massive storm. They throw him overboard. He ends up in the, in the, in the belly of a fish for three days. He repents, by the way. Repentance is a huge thing. The, the, um, the fish vomits him up. And I don't know whether it was a walking canning factory. I don't know how he smelt, but... This stinky, anyway, stinky Jonah went to Nineveh. He, he shouts the message, the clear message of repent, repentance and judgment. Everybody gets saved. You know what he did? He had a hissy fit. He was offended because God reversed judgment. We know the story about how he was depressed. He was sitting down and God grew a plant to cover him because he was 
sitting in the heat of the day. Then he was whining, and so God killed the plant, and they have quite a, a conversation. The book of Jonah doesn't end well, because we don't hear about Jonah again. God just gives him a kind of perspective on love and people. Okay, so we've got some lovely pictures there, a picture of, uh, it's a well-known painting uh, we've got of Jonah, if we could have that up, it's a well, of him being vomited by the whale, and then there's a great picture further on of him preaching in Nineveh. Okay, I'm going to look at Nineveh, I'm going to look at God's heart for cities, and I'm going to look, for jo- look at Jonah. Firstly, Nineveh represents all the great cities of the world. It was very stylish, it was modern, it was highly influential, and it was beautiful. Um, there were 120,000 people in it. it was, by, at that time, it was one of the largest cities, um, and it was the second biggest city in the Assyrian Empire, next to Babylon. Very influential, powerful, and you've got to understand God's heart for the cities, because big cities influence the whole region and the nation. Think about um, cities of New York, Los Angeles, London. Um, how many pe- people personal to me actually live in New York and London? It attracts people. It attracts cities, attract business, tourists. Um, look at South Africa. Everything really happens in Joburg or Cape Town, let's be honest. It's, the, people go there. You know that our big problems with schooling is, is not because the government was sleeping is because so many people have moved to Joburg and Cape Town. I think they said there's 140,000 scholars more than last year. So Cape Town is highly influential. So God has a heart because he knows. Can you imagine what happened when Nineveh got saved? The incredible God influence in that whole area. If you were God, would you, would you like our cities to be saved? Thinking about how the gospel could be promoted. Okay, so we've got a couple of photographs there of what Nineveh looked like, or or let's put it this way, drawings, big, beautiful city. But I want to ask you a question. Have Have you ever asked yourself this about cities? What is the soul and spiritual heartbeat of a city? It's amazing how, if you ever, I don't know how many of you have visited around the world. We look at the architecture, Uh, the natural beauty, we look at the beaches, we look at the nightlife, you look for the restaurants. But how many people say, what's the soul of the city? What's the spirit? Tell me, Cape Town is a beautiful city. What's the soul of the city? What's the spiritual state of Cape Town? Because that's what concerns God. Not Table Mountain. It's what's going on inside of our hearts. And have you noticed, every city has a different personality. You go to Joburg, you get into the rat race. Isn't that so? It's money and it's rat race. It's cars, it's in the road, it's high dealing, quick work. Would you agree with me? How many of you have come from, from Joburg? And you've had a slowdown, this is strange. Nobody indicates, they just move into the road. I remember when I moved up from, from, from Joburg, I had a heart attack. You couldn't, I, I never knew. So everybody travels fast in Joburg and takes the gap. In Cape Town, you go slowly and suddenly cut in front of you. That's, that's the personality of Cape Town. That's who we are. But now listen, Nineveh was exceptionally evil. It radiated evil. The soul was dark. The heart was hard and uncaring. It represented everything that every God-fearing Jew hated about the Gentile world. Godless tyranny. It had a reputation for cruelty. 
Um, they are regarded probably as some of the greatest terrorists that ever existed. Um, they became expert at skinning people alive, decapitating people, um, mutilation, ripping tongues out. They would, they would drill a hole through your chin and put a rope in and lead you like a dog and, people, and made their enemies live in kennels. Um, they would kind of, uh, of cut everything off below the belt. And, um, but I just want to read just a few verses. Guys, this is an amazing topic, and I wish I had the time. Nahum 3, verse 3 to 5. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers pass, charge past. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. Guys, it was evil, and they were ruthless. Hopefully, you'll understand why Joseph fled. I've heard the most ridiculous, stupid sermons. Jonah the wimp. Well, okay, God, um, I'll go. I'm sure they'll cut my tongue out. Um, maybe they'll skin me alive. Who knows? Maybe they'll cut everything off, and I'll either be a eunuch or an angel. You know, angels are sexless. Um, who knows what will happen to me? Lord, I'll go anywhere you want. It's not easy, is it? it you know what? The, if your heart is not beating with God's heart, you can't do it. Guys, you and I can't do ministry. We can't achieve the mission. <laughs> and don't you ever make a bad statement about Jonah again. Listen, he bolted. But anyway, let's, let's carry on. What about God's heart for the city? It's amazing. God has the same approach to cities that he has towards individuals. Firstly, he's got a divine plan for every city to prosper. Do you know that that's the heart of God? Seriously. Um, and when, when he placed the Israelites in captivity, this is what he said to them in Jeremiah 29, 7. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I send you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Guys, you have to pray for the city. You can moan about the municipality. You can complain about the roads. You can moan about the fact that they should have foreseen the water. There's a lot of things you can do. But, guys, if we have the same heartbeat as God, we'll pray for our city. Because God wants to prosper the city. Amen. Do you have a heart for the city? Or are you booking your tickets to Australia? I've been in all the cities in Australia. Where do you want to go? You want to go to America? You want to go to London? Or do you have a heart for the city? Ouch. Okay, God has a mission for all cities. Salvation and righteous and godly leadership inside the city that flows out into the region. Can you imagine if we had an incredible, strong flow of godly, righteous leadership, that we became the light for Africa, that everybody came. Because remember, people are influenced by the city. People come to our city and leave changed because righteous leadership has influenced them. That's the mission. Guys, it's the same mission that you and I have as individuals. Are you hearing me? Guys, because when your heart beats with God's heart, you'll hear what I'm saying. Then you know about judgment. You know, we don't talk about judgment anymore. The Bible is full of judgment. In fact, it says that true conviction of the Holy Spirit convicts us of judgment to come. Do you know that God will judge every city for the good 
all the bad that it does. And I want to tell you that God has never, never has and never will allow a decadent, influential city to flourish indefinitely. You read in the Bible, look into history. Jerusalem was swept away. Babylon was swept away. The great cities of the world. And can I tell you that there's judgment on Cape Town? But you know, can I tell you a great story? Like Jonah and Nineveh, God has called men and women to reverse judgment that's been placed. Because that's what happened to Jonah. His preaching reversed the judgment. It overturned God's, God's righteous plan for judgment. I to say to you, listen to me. God is, I, I, I know this. When God gave me this message quite a few months ago, I knew that I knew that God had spoken. He said, Graham, you can't just build churches. Your churches have to reach the city. That's why I believe in church planning. I'm not doing it to keep myself busy. I know that I know that God wants to grow this church into overflow and that we can plant churches, great churches. Listen, God has such a compassion for cities. He, you know why? Because he loves the people in the cities with a never-dying love. His first choice is always salvation. And I want to read you a passage where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem for almost the last time, I think. And he knew that judgment was on Jerusalem because they had rejected him. And this, this is what happened, we read in Luke 19 from verse 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. Peace is hidden from your eye. Before long, your enemy will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Can I tell you something? Nineveh was a thousand times more evil than Jerusalem, but they recognized God when he visited them. I want to ask you, did you recognize God when he visited Milneton? That's our prayer. I want people to recognize God. I'm telling you, God's going to visit Cape Town like never before. And I believe that people are going to recognize him. And of course, you know what? We'll never understand why God could still love people who were so evil. But you know what? God knows that the darkness in Nineveh was generational. Can you imagine living in a home where the fathers were doing those things to enemies? Imagine how much stuff was going down at home. Because remember, everything bad starts from the home outwards. God still loved those people. And, you know, that's, that's the challenge, to love evil people. And, of course, when the tax, uh, tax collectors were at a dinner with Jesus and the religious leaders complained, this is what he said in Matthew 9. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the Scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call the, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Guys, there's sin in our city. God has, Jesus came for them. That's the heartbeat. Let's have a look at Jonah, because Jonah represents the church. He was a good guy. 
He served God faithfully in the northern kingdom of Israel in a season of decline. I, I believe that's, that's, that's us in View Church. We're serving God in a season of spiritual decline. He was well-respected. had become the senior prophet. He was very settled and perhaps a little complacent. Out of the blue, he gets the call to go to Nineveh, and he bolts like a frightened rabbit. What happened to wife and kids? Help me, Jesus. He later became very offended. Let's have a look, because as we close, I believe it's very important that you and I understand how Jonah got out of rhythm with God's heartbeat. So let's have a look at it. Firstly, he was no longer passionate about his calling to reach the lost, the wicked and the broken. Remember this? The lost, the wicked, and the broken. Our calling is to reach wicked people. Remember, biblically, from Genesis to Revelation, we called from a mother's womb. There was a moment, absolutely, maybe as a young man, when he knew that he knew that he was called. I want to ask you, do you remember the moment when God called you? Maybe you've also become a little settled. Maybe you're older. Maybe you're not as healthy or energetic as you were. It doesn't matter. He, he was no longer passionate about the call. And you see, when your heart's beating with God, like Moses and Joshua at the age of 80 and Caleb, you can wind it for God. Your heart's beating with God. Listen. God's calling is not age-related. Okay. Secondly, he was no longer, he no longer had the heart for the lost who didn't deserve salvation. I believe there was a, that comes from a deep agony for people who are going to hell. The message of hell is not, for, is not for the lost, it's for the Christian. Guys, you've got to know that the person you rub shoulders with who's not a Christian is going to burn in hell for eternity. Eternity is forever and ever. Your family members that are not saved are going to go to hell and burn. The greatest sin is rejecting Jesus as personal Savior. It's not because you were or weren't an abuser or this or you stole a, 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 a slab of chocolate. None of that's got anything to do with the price of onions. Do we have that heart for the lost? But you know what? In truth, he developed a deep hatred and contempt for the Ninevites because of their increasing evil. I think maybe a friend or a family member was touched by that. Can I tell you something? A lot of stuff's happening in our world, and we, we can develop hatred. That we, we, we'd be quite happy for them to go to hell rather than them to be saved. Okay, then he no longer had the cutting-edge faith and trust in a loving, all-powerful God. That if he obeyed and preached the truth, God would perform a miracle by changing the hardest hearts and bringing true repentance. Who in the natural would have thought that those evil, evil, evil people would repent and serve God? They didn't even have the Bible. They didn't have a church. Jesus says they're all in heaven. That's a miracle. But guys, we've got to trust God. That when God is calling us to this militant city, calling us to the city of Cape Town, that He can and will do it. We're going to be filled with, that's having a heart that's beating with God. 
Then he failed to understand that when our hearts are out of rhythm with God, we become anxious, angry, and inward-looking victims. This is a WhatsApp message that Jonah sent to God. In Jonah 4. Okay, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry. So he sent a WhatsApp to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. He knew it. Do you and I know it? That God is slow to anger. He's compassionate. He wants to save our city. And, the, and when our hearts are beating with Him, that knowledge energizes us. It directs us. It directs our prayers. As we, as we come to conclusion, guys, do you understand that God loves all great cities with a deep compassion for the broken people? He fully understands the devastating influence that big cities have in the world. He wants to change that. I, I now understand better the prophecy in the 1960s that a revival in Cape Town will influence the whole of Africa. I understand it better. You know what, what God said to, to our good friend Jonah? Last scripture, Jonah 4.11. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Listen, all animal lovers see this as, uh, as a great example of God's care for animals. So I hope you guys care for your animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Because you know what's fascinating about that? God recognizes the beauty. He recognizes the achievement. He recognizes the potential of every city. God loves great cities. He said, shouldn't I feel sorry for Cape Town? Shouldn't I feel sorry for the people in Mulnerton who are living in darkness? Guys, this church does not exist for the church. It exists for the city. <laughs> That's why we can never stop reaching into schools, reaching the poor. We can never stop going on a mission. Because the people of Zambia are living in darkness. We went there when they were, when they were statistically, uh, what's the word, not diagnosed or re-diagnosed as being an unreached people group. Where most of the people have never heard the gospel. God's A plan, His only plan, is complete repentance and life change through the ministry of courageous people who are willing to declare the truth. Can you imagine going into a city where people just hate and saying, hey, repent. Repent of your evil. Listen, I didn't read you the story about how they repented, how the king uh, took on sackcloth and ashes. Guys, that's what we're looking for. Heart change, life change, 